Welcome to the Frog Hops Food Panda's interview. Creating plant-based products that are loved by vegans and non-vegans alike can be a real challenge. But Mike Moore of Honestly Tasty was determined to create delicious non-dairy alternatives that didn't involve a compromise on taste. He now has a range of fantastically named, uh, hopefully more about that later, products that are stocked in 165 branches of M&S and listed with the Cardo, Planet Organic, Selfridges, Vegan Kind, as well as wowing a host of independent specialists too. So how do you actually create a product that satisfies cheese lovers of all types and then scale and fund the business to get it out to them? Let's find out. Welcome, Mike. Hey, hey, Steve. I guess the first thing is, what, what led you to start Honestly Tasty? Uh, so it was very much uh, seeing a gap in the market because of a need that I had. Uh, so I went plant-based in 2018 um, with Veganery, uh, like a lot of people would have. Uh, and effectively, I thought that I'd be able to go out into a shop and just buy products off the shelf um, and was kind of surprised that there wasn't anything already serving the market. Uh, so I went and researched what was available, tried everything on the market, um, did a little kind of class in Berlin to see what the state of the uh, art was over there. And uh, yeah, then came up with my own recipes, effectively. Is Berlin a recognised centre for um, plant-based products i would say back when i started there wasn't a massive amount going on in the plant-based cheese world and i was that was the only place there was any kind of semblance of a developing market at the oh, time right, interesting what what is it about cheese that makes it particularly difficult or is it just that no one's bothered to 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 make it work no no i think i think people have have tried and kind of continue to, to try I think the thing which really makes it a lot more difficult is the fermentation aspect to it so especially if you're trying to get something that looks looks feels taste authentic um, it's you need fermentation in there uh, and fermentation is not necessarily a quick process with cheese as well so you know we've started with products that have a kind of two to four week maturation cycle but you know the real prize in cheese is cheddar and if you look at real cheddars they take a very long time to mature so in terms of r&d in terms of working capital that that would um eat up it, it's one of the reasons why people have kind of sat with you know the alt cheese market in in the way that it is at the moment can you can you give us a, a quick overview of how you make plant-based yeah. cheese yeah absolutely so we effectively start with a uh, a base which is a plant-based fat or oil so the ones that we use primarily are shea butter rice bran oil and coconut oil um then you've got the kind of starch base which we would either use tapioca flour potato starch uh, classically those are the two big ones and then you've got other kind of smaller ingredients such as nutritional yeast um salts you know if we're doing the garlic and herb cheese it's, it's garlic that kind of thing um but really i guess what actually makes it special is, is the cultures that we put in it so you'd get all those ingredients you'd, you'd effectively mix them together i mean when i started doing it it was literally on a you know on a hob um top so you can literally do it at home you know whisk everything together and heat it up to sterilize it in a similar way that dairy uh, cheese would be pasteurized the milk would be pasteurized cool it down um when it's at a temperature where the cultures will survive you'd put in mesophilic uh, and mold cultures it's a mold ripened cheese um, and then you proceed to kind of form them and over the next kind of 
two to four weeks, you'd be unforming the cheeses, um, piercing them if it's a blue cheese that you know needs oxygen access to the inside to give it some blue veining. Uh, yeah, just flipping, rind washing. So trying to keep it as close to the dairy making process as possible. What were you doing before? Were you were you a scientist or a food scientist of some sort? Or um, so my real like ages ago now it feels it keeps getting longer and longer ago but my degree was engineering so I do have that kind of mindset of you know how to look at things and develop things um uh, but then no after that I was in um just uh, banking I worked in the in the city so it was, it was very you know I did four years of doing that and then effectively came up with the the blue cheese product that I had and decided that I was going to um yeah make a split from banking and uh yeah try and do something that i was a bit more passionate about excellent um and you, you say you started at home yeah so effectively for you know all of the r&d for the first product was whilst i was uh you know literally in, in my flat kind of on tabletop putting stuff in the fridge um watching it go moldy in some of them went moldy in the right way some of them went moldy in the wrong way uh but yeah so effectively started I then actually started from a, a small room in my in my grand's house uh, because she had spare like a spare room and I didn't really have enough space to do it in in my kind of pokey flat in, in North London. So yeah, it was from there within about four months we were getting enough sales that we had to move into a, a small commercial kitchen. At what point did you go full time or did you quit to, to do it in your kitchen or how how was the transition? I guess from from working. It was basically I'd come up with the product um like the mvp for the blue cheese and i ran it through a, a past a, a bunch of people that i knew would tell me to stay at my day job if they thought it wasn't very good um and you know resounding um answer was actually this is a good product uh and from there i'm not i'm not really the sort of person um who has the ability to focus on a job and start a, a side business i i really admire people that can do that but i just don't have that so I effectively just was like okay I'm, I'm gonna have to quit to kind of jump in and, and do this uh full force what's in the in the range now and um how much fun is it giving them names or is it really difficult <laughs> I wish I could I wish I could actually take uh, more credit for the names but there's, there's a couple of my mates who are just very very good at coming up with fun so I usually throw it into a whatsapp group and, and see what comes back um but yeah at the moment we've got the blue um which was formerly known as vegan zola but then um the gorgonzola um dop um, lawyers came <laughs> sent us a few letters uh so we had to remove that um we've got our camembert which is called the camembert um brie which is it's just called brie as well differently so it's less inventive and then we've got the garlic and herb as well um it's interesting so in order actually that is pretty much in order of, of when they release so the blue the camembert the brie and then the garlic and herb um but it's interesting i mean like the the garlic and herb is our most recent one and it sells the least but if we're doing tastings and selling it at the same time it sells the most so it's um that's one of the challenges we've got at the moment is to uh how do we kind of get people to taste it yes and, and where did you start selling or where did you first sell the products um small independents they literally just went into shops and and said hey could, would you mind trying this it's a plant-based alternative whether that's kind of cheese shops or vegan shops um and yeah pretty much i guess we started trading in march 2019 
and for the first 10 months or so it was pretty much exclusively that um before um you know covid hit and then we opened an online shop and and that channel kind of was our was our sole outlet for for a while thereafter the vegan shops and independents would they've already had a vegan cheese in in their range some of them did some of them didn't and if they did have it classically they were you know the cheese or via life something which had been around for quite a while um and you know people are often quite especially small shop owners are very receptive to kind of finding a new product so i, I found that it's you know there's it actually a really nice group of people to work with i guess it was a lot of a lot of shoe leather at that stage was it yeah exactly that Absolutely. at what stage did you start looking for listings with with supermarkets and, and bigger retailers uh so pretty much as soon as um as COVID started to um, thankfully recede, uh, we the online shop, the sales started to plateau and then to decrease. And so as they're decreasing, we were, you know, we were saying, okay, now this is obviously the time where we need to get out into into retailers. Um, so I think we the first one was Planet Organic in terms of kind of London 12, 12 outlets at the time, I believe. Uh, and then after that. It was conversations with um, Ocado, Holland and Barrett, um, and then finally M&S, uh, yeah, which was uh, May last year now. Strange to think it's almost a year. But, um, but yeah, that was kind of the order, and it was very much a, okay, COVID seems to be from the sales of the online shop. Um, you know, the dynamic of the market has changed to a place where we need to start looking at retail again. I guess that was... Uh, 2020 into 2021 so obviously m&s is a is a great result they they don't take an awful lot of non-owned label products so that that's quite a feather in the cap is it yeah i mean it's it's great yeah it is great to be there um you know i think you know it's partly because it's a a new product and you know there's a, a lot more when it's taking something into their own brand you know to, to an extent they want to check out that it actually does does work first um and honestly they are a, a pleasure to work with um couldn't couldn't uh you know say more highly about them to be honest um just in terms of ease of everything from delivery to discussing products um yeah no, they're really really great to be working with them one of the things that really comes through is actually it's vegans and non-vegans alike so how have you developed that audience and developed that range with them in mind have you gone out and done research yeah a lot of it is led by um going to events like industry events um whether they're vegan or not vegan you know bbc great taste through to kind of veg fest etc um i think largely what we've understood is that there's a massive market of people that are not necessarily vegan but you know have them themselves or someone in their family has a dairy intolerance um so that's like a big direction of travel that we're seeing um and you know beyond just you know the market that we want to serve is, as in giving vegans an alternative they're still only two or three percent of the population so realistically if we want to be commercially successful and kind of fulfill our mission which is to kind of you know lower the impacts um of you know agriculture on the environment etc um then we need to get out to more than just that 2%. Uh, you need to cast the, the net a lot more widely. Um, so really, it's just about um, trying to not shove anything down anyone's throat uh, in terms of marketing. You know, you don't want to scare everyone off. It's just kind of like, come on, 
uh, let's all uh, yeah, we'll give you some samples, see what you think. If you like it, please you know support us, and if it's not for you, then and we'll keep trying to develop better products. What sort of feedback have you had from different types of consumer? I think across the board, once people try it, then it's uh, then it's generally positive. Um, one piece of feedback that we got more at the beginning and still do to an extent is that the price point is um, is somewhat exclusionary, which is hard to argue with. You know, you're still looking at £4.50 to £6 um, per unit. We have got that down from six pounds to eight pounds so you know we've, we've looked at a 25 percent drop um and you know continue to want to do that in terms of making the products more accessible um so yeah i think i think that's probably the the harshest criticism that we that we face in general apart from the odd person on facebook shouting fake cheese at us or something like that <laughs> is that a thing <laughs> uh, yeah yeah you're reading our comment section is uh it can be quite quite funny again probably less so now versus two years ago when people had nothing to do but be on their uh laptops um through covid but yeah no, it's, uh, it's it's quite it's quite funny if you if you go through and read some of them i'll <laughs> do that in terms of getting the cost down is it is it just a question of scaling the business up and you know and the volumes or is it is it you know is is there a certain point you can't get past in terms of the price yeah, it is just scaling. It's scaling and automation, um, you know, and economies of scale with ingredients purchases. Uh, so all of that really, it's the standard stuff that you get with any manufacturing business which wants to, which wants to grow. Um, you know, there's other things like if we manage to develop shelf life and stuff, then you decrease wastage and, and that will help. So there's the technical side of things. Um, and and yeah channel strategy as well you know cost to serve models all that but yeah at the moment you know our next big steps will be to try and get more automation uh if and when we move into a into a larger premises because actually we can borrow from you know whilst there's a lot of processes that we do which are completely unique to us there are a significant number which uh, you know the dairy industry has machinery for that we can kind of you know use the existing infrastructure to you know help us drive those volumes through our factories quicker and more cheaply for people actually that's something i, I meant to ask earlier but you obviously started at home but you've, you've moved into your own premises have you built your own facility or are you in a shared kitchen or yeah yeah no we've got our own facility um so we moved originally into that first small one, which I referenced, and that was in late 2019. And then we moved into uh, this larger one in, in late 2021. Um, and yeah, effectively, the next one will be our kind of uh, forever home, for one of a better, better phrase. Um, I think for us, it was really important to have our own facility because, you know, it, it, if someone else is in there who uses milk or something and then, or fish and you have to have a make contains on your ingredient list, it's, it's probably not uh, you know, the best starting point for a plant-based product. Oh, that, that reminds me. So you, you want, you just, I think you stopped doing one of your products because it, it contained nuts. Is that right? Yeah. So, so we in general moved. So most of our products had some level of nuts in it um, as of uh, July, August time last year. Um, and we made the decision to move that on, on several bases, really. Um, the main one was that operationally it was 
tricky to use them because we were using almond milk and buying in almond milk is very expensive and actually making it is quite time consuming etc um so we and it only made up about four to seven percent of the product for pretty much you know for for the vast majority of the products we sold and realistically it it was playing a small role um it's interesting it probably plays more of a role in in consumer perceptions than it does in anything like product quality so so yeah we've removed we removed the almonds and we've removed cashew nuts um and yeah so it's process it's environmental impact it's part of that journey to bring the prices down from six to eight pounds to four pound fifty to six pounds um and yeah and operational fees um so and also free from is just it's just gaining traction um and it allows us to do a lot more with food service so there's a couple of big restaurant accounts that we wouldn't have been able to get with nuts in our factory so we did a collaboration with honest burger and we've got a couple of others kind of coming up and so it enabled those as well it it kind of sounds like the the products have pretty much continued to evolve over the last sort of two to three years yeah no that's absolutely fair Uh, they they have and they will continue to um and part of that is, I guess, going from a, a you know, making things on a small scale um, and then taking them into a, you know, into a, a mixer, which is kind of 100 times bigger, you know. And when you do that, the time it takes to cook something will have different effects on the, um, you know, the, the starches that you're working with, the different types of mixing do. So you kind of have to adjust the recipe to maintain that. And then also if you're removing nuts, you don't have to make another, you know, more adjustments and things like that. Um, but I think by uh, by kind of autumn this year, we will be pretty much stable with what we what we have. Excellent. Um, are you, and you are selling direct as well. Is, is that still an important part of the business or is it is the focus sort of moved away from that? So it is, it's a lot less than it was in COVID. Um, you know, people were sat with um, not much else to do. What we have seen is that it's been incredibly resilient around uh, Christmas time. Uh, so when people are ordering their cheese boards, um, a lot of people still do that directly from us. Um, and we try to, you know, create a really valuable proposition for people with like a hamper and with a you know other vegan brands that we really respect who might make kind of meat alts or might make kind of chocolate alternatives but you know they're not necessarily um, products you can get everywhere but the way we know them uh so so around yeah winter time very resilient but through you kind of the summer months it has you know a, a much less significant impact uh compared to where it was three years ago um and yeah and yeah that's kind of what we're looking to fill now with the national retailers etc it sounds like it's quite a seasonal business which i probably hadn't appreciated before um before thinking about it <laughs> yeah no well actually the first time the first december i i was like what's happening why have my sales gone up 300 percent since last month i was I, I thought things were going well but i didn't realize uh yeah didn't think they were going that well they yeah it's it, i think it's also largely down to the fact that our range is very cheese board based. So you've got blue cheeses, camemberts and breeze. Um, and, you know, if we had a, you know, there's everything's in our pipeline, but in terms of if we had the, a feta or a halloumi or a cheddar, you'd probably find that you reduce that seasonality uh, significantly or mozzarella, for example. So, so that is something that we're you know, kind of also actively looking at. That sort of seasonality is tough for most businesses, but 
for a, for a sort of scaling up business, that must be a, 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 I was going to say a nightmare, but it's a good nightmare. It's a challenge, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. How do you cope with it? Um, well, uh, with a lot of um, help from uh, people that are willing to jump in at the last minute and pack some Christmas boxes. Um, no, it's, it is it is always a massive struggle. Um, our workload over December is really significant. Um, and, you know, we, we are looking at options to kind of have other companies help us do that part of it specifically because wearing a fixed cost for the majority of the year for what is a should probably be a variable cost. And I assume, uh, given the, the, the importance of tasting, the awards are important to the business. Can you um, uh, outline a little bit of the, some of the awards you've won and sort of what the experiences of, of applying and uh, working with that? Yeah, yeah. So um, there's, you know, we, we've been lucky to um, get quite a lot of recognition and win a few awards. Um, the, the ones that kind of... Uh, stand out are we've we've won a couple of the plant-based taste awards which is um, they have a plant-based expo in london uh, yearly so we've won best cheese there uh two out of the three times that we've we've been there um and i think that's really important to us because it's it's in front of a lot of um trade uh you know people so it gets us known within within that that community um very recently, I guess first time was this year where we got great great taste awards um, for the three products that we entered. Uh, so we've got two of them had one star each, and then the blue cheese had two stars. Um, and again, just people seeing that, I think it gives it a level of um, yeah, you know, people know what you're going to get when you get a great taste award. It's it's not going to be something that tastes horrendous. So that's really important in terms of getting it out to. Um, yeah, consumers so that they can see it because obviously picking up a five pound product you you want kind of some uh security and knowing that it's not going to be terrible uh and then yeah i mean there's there's another couple as well that we've won recently um the uh vegan food and living um we won their gold through the uh without new garlic and herb cheese that i mentioned earlier um and you know there's there's various others um peter etc that we've that we've won in the past so it is uh, very important to us um, and the application process it's you know mostly it's kind of you write a little bit about the product you say what's in it and then uh, you send off samples to adjudicators um, and hopefully get some good news back in a, in a month or, or two's time. Can I ask how you funded the business so far? Mm, yeah yeah so um, I started when it was just me, it was just self-funded. Like I'd, I'd saved up a little bit of money. Um, and that got me through the first few months. And then it was kind of a matter of uh, family, friends, and then through into, uh, I guess it was the beginning of 2021, we started going with kind of more, uh, you know, what you'd call standard angels um, who have experience in this sector or, or running kind of large organisations. Um, and to be honest, a, a lot of those angels have been really instrumental in kind of helping helping us grow. Yeah, I guess it'd be difficult to sort of scale up as, as so fast with, without without some injections. Did you, did you do a Cedars round as well? Is that right? Yeah, so we've, we've done two Cedars rounds um, in total. So we did one which was uh, which closed in November time, uh, which feels like a lifetime ago, having been through Christmas. Uh, and then we did uh, one the year previous. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, the thing about Cedars is it's great in as much as you get a community of of kind of supporters and advocates. Um, you know, it's it's a you know, and you can give them kind of monthly or quarterly updates. Um, and yeah, hopefully it just gets a lot more people behind you and feeling like they're part of the journey, especially people that love the love the brand from kind of day one. And and you know, and then they can really you know be a be a much more involved part of the journey. So it's it's great to have that. And did you have particular sort of purchases or, or initiatives in mind when you went for the the, the fundraising? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's all been kind of based around expansion of the kit that we use to produce um, the chiller room space that we have and our kind of maturing facilities because, um, you know, if we've got stock which is maturing for up to four weeks, it, you know, you end up filling up a lot of space. Um, and then really at the other end, it's packaging, you know, machinery. And a lot of it's things which are already out there and it's just about how we can repurpose them to to work for us. Um, and then on the other side of that, it's just um, staff, marketing, um, all the kind of things that a growing business wants to spend money on and, and a lot of R&D as well, to be fair. Yeah. You have further products in the pipeline? and Yes, yeah, no, we've always got further products in the pipeline. We're also um, doing some final tweaks to the ones that we've got in the in the current range at the moment. Um, so very shortly we're, you know, it's just small things, but they all take uh, time and development, but we're moving the blue cheese from a wedge shape into a into a small round um, with the idea that we're actually giving people a bit more product in terms of weight, actually 40% more in terms of weight, but also it's a, it's just, it increases the shelf life. It's got a better kind of um, taste profile just because of the way it matures it and, you know, so it's we're always looking at those small kind of marginal gains where we can find them, as well as looking at the big next, you know, uh, yeah, products that we can launch. To follow on from that, what are the what are your big goals for the next sort of couple of years? Uh, so for the next couple of years, we are really looking to expand our production capability so that we can, um, you know, sell more bring down the costs, make it more accessible, make it more available. So, you know, very, very standard things. Um, alongside that, you know, we're investigating whether or not we want to start producing for, you know, other brands because, you know, we 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 produce for Holland and Barrett, their own brand at the moment. So doing, you know, so we have now got that kind of um, ability. So it's whether or not strategically we want to do that for, for other people and competitors just to help everyone bring the, price down like across the market because obviously if you've got a handful of small producers all producing it's a lot of duplication so so yeah it's that and pushing into pushing into food service and also just really making sure that the accounts that we do have with Ocado and M&S and Holland Barrett that we are kind of executing them as well as we can we don't very cognizant that we don't want to be constantly chasing um, kind of new accounts when actually we want to focus on doing, you know, we've got great opportunities with these current customers and how can we make sure we absolutely knock it out of the park? Is there anything you wish you could go back and tell yourself back in 2018 when you were starting? Oh, like a uh, hundred, uh, yeah, a hundred things. Um, I would probably have um, not launched in the same way that I did uh, in terms of going out to small local independence. I probably would have concentrated on um 
food tech and increasing the shelf life of the product beforehand. You know, these are things where you don't really appreciate the importance of them if you're not from the industry. So, yeah, I would have focused on shelf life a bit more and lining up kind of, you know, it might be that we would have gone down a co-manufacturing route, but actually I'm I'm quite pleased that we we didn't. Um, It's quite nice to be able to have full control over the quality and and the kind of production scheduling. and probably just getting more investment up front a little bit earlier, but that's always hard. And you kind of do have to go through the journey to to meet the people to kind of, you know, once the product has been out there for a bit. So, um, yeah, shelf life would have put a lot more focus on shelf life and branding, to be fair. This has always been a product led business um, and we didn't really even have a, you know, a really good sense of branding. It was just me for the first year and a half. So. Yeah, getting getting that done uh, a lot quicker would probably be my my takeaways. Fantastic. That's a pretty good checklist, I think, for, for other people thinking about uh, scaling up their business. Thanks so much for your time and uh, your fascinating insights into uh, into how you started the business. Um, if you want to, if anyone wants to buy Honestly Tasty or find out uh, find the stockists, uh, go to honestlytasty.co.uk. If you want more interviews with food founders. Uh, you go to froghop.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And if you go to froghop.co.uk forward slash resources, there are videos on how to take the plunge and start a food business. So that might be interesting viewing um, for some of you. Excellent. Thanks, Mike. Thanks so much for your time. And uh, I'll uh, speak to you soon. Cheers, Steve. Bye. Take care. Bye.